Welcome to this podcast from the Bay Church. We hope you're blessed by the message. To find out more, please visit our website at www.the-bay-church.org.uk. Well, Gordon and I have been really glad to be with you this weekend. Paul just said, pick it up from the worship, so I have, and gave me the mic. For those who, this is your first time meeting, you think, what in the world are they doing? But we feel that we belong here now. We were here all day from morning to night yesterday, had a fantastic time with you, and really want to thank you for all your welcome, hospitality, and it's been great to be with you. Yes, um, yes. Now we've just loved it. We've just loved being up in this atmosphere and just being in the presence of God with you. But uh, I'm just going to come and pray. Let's just reach our hands out to Rachel because, you know, the Word of God is like seed, but it comes with such revelation. And we've just got to pray that that just lands in each one of our hearts. So, Father, Lord, we want to thank you for this vessel. Lord, I want to thank you for that prophetic preaching anointing that just flows through. But also, we, we want to thank you for the power of the Word of God. Lord, you promised that your Word, when it comes, it will be fulfilled. And Father, we pray that as you speak your Word, let it be deposited with faith, let it be germinated with faith in each of our hearts today. And we pray, Lord, that something significant would shift inside each of our lives. But also, corporately, there will be a, a real shift, a standing in the Spirit together, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you, God. So we had a day with you yesterday. Gordon started the day by looking at the faces of prayer, the face of a child, the face of intercession, the face of indignation, and the face of inheritance, and how those different attitudes from Luke 11 position us to pray. And then I came and spoke on breaking the sound barriers, and actually the very power of words, the resonance. Um, for some of you who are not so scientists, we've looked at the quark of literally how more and more scientists are discovering that all things are upheld by word sound, and it's, it's no accident. Guess what? The Bible is true, and the Bible is being found to be authentic even scientifically, and that a word, a resonance, actually what we say, the power is in the tongue, life and death, and that very resonance of speaking has a creative force. Let there be. We said, let there be hippopotamus. And guess what? One appeared. <laughs> a toy one, you'll be glad to hear. But suddenly everyone said, we haven't seen that before when it come. And one of the kids had found it and suddenly. But there is power in your words. We then talked about the prophetic anointing. That actually when a prophetic anointing is there, it should bring revelation. Suddenly you should say, oh, now I see. When a prophetic revelation is there, it should bring context. Suddenly you should be able to say, oh, this is that. Now I understand my journey. Now I can join my dots. When there's a prophetic anointing, you should have a spirit of discernment. You begin to understand the good news and the bad news. You began to recognize the blessings and the curses. You began to be able to see both the angels angelic and the demonic and it opens up heaven on earth and I believe that another thing of the prophetic is it brings words of vision 
It brings words of instruction for your destiny and your future. A prophet speaks the dream of God. You see, when God created you, he had an intention for you. And through the prophet, he confirms the dream, the potential already in you. He said, this is who you are. And he brings that very dream destiny into the forefront both as individuals, as cities, as regions, and as nations. And so this morning, I want to um, speak on stand. I do believe that I have a PowerPoint there, if you can find it. I want to speak on this expression, stand. Now, if you read the Bible, you will notice there's all sorts of different positions that are appropriate. We're told to prostrate ourselves. We're told to bow. But those particular positions are for certain atmospheres and times. And we can often find we want to bow down and be in the worship. And God is saying, no, stand. There's times to sit. Ephesians 1 and 2, we are seated in high places with Christ over every. But there are times to stand. And before I can really um, preach the rest, you need to understand the biblical instruction to stand is not casual. The biblical instruction to stand is to stand on stance. And it literally means that if someone comes to take you off stance and push you, you are standing in a position that cannot be pushed over. I'm not a pushover, <laughs> am I, Gordon? <laughs> He discovered when we got married, because he's a British Army officer, I like, I have two brothers, and I learned to wrestle young. And so I could arm wrestle him nearly, and I can still push him pretty hard. <laughs> but it's stand on stance. It's stand with attitude. It's the Joshua, every place you put your foot you see, it isn't tiptoeing through the tulips looking cute. It is actually, I'm on stance. And that Joshua word, to every place you put your foot, literally meant the setting down of the longbow for war. That was where they used that word, to set your foot. It was when you had the longbow in war, you set your foot on the front of the longbow. And God says this, stand. Come on, say to someone, stand. Stand. So with that picture in your mind... I want to speak about stand. Why is it important in this season? Because God spoke to me. He actually woke me up. And I very rarely get woken up. I'm a snoozy bundle. I like to sleep. I know I'm meant to be an intercessor prayer, but I prefer it late at night than early in the morning. Give me my bed and my pillow. That's a nice thing in the morning. But I was woken up, and God said this to me. 2019 is a year of preparation. It's a year to set yourself and get ready. 2019. As prophets, we often like to have nice little ditties. I remember 2007, touch from heaven. How many remembered that? There were all sorts of nice little words for years. This year, if you look over all the different websites, there is instruction there's accelerate and upgrade, get, but it's all about get ready for. And God woke me up and he said, 2019 is an important year for preparation. It's a year to declutter. It's a year to get rid of stuff to make room for the new. Why? Because it's a kickstart year to get ready for 2020, which is a new decade, not just a year. 
And I believe that God wants to set this region, set this church, set our nation to be in the right place, doing the right thing for his kingdom for a whole new decade. Come on. 2020 should be exciting to anyone that's prophetic because 2020 vision, at last, I can see perfectly. And so this year is a year of preparation to set my vision so I can see. And I step into 2020. And this is what God woke me up with. He woke me up and he said, Rachel, 2019 is the preparation year because 2020 is going to be the landmark decade of the 21st century, just as the 1960s was the landmark decade of the 20th century. And the church has got an opportunity to get ready to set the culture. Come on, how many of you want to set the culture? If you think back to the 1990s, the Beatles, love, etc., so many other things set the culture for which we remember that decade. But I believe there is a wrestling in the spirit. And God is saying, come on, church, head up, shoulders back, stand, get ready, prepare. I believe that we're going to wake up the musicians of the next generation. We're going to wake up the educators. We're going to begin to craft church to look very different. And we better not have sentimental toes. We've got to get rid of our sentimentality and get ready for something new. I'm 59 years old. We, Gordon and I have two children, 31 and 34. We have five grandchildren born and one on the way. So I am... In that later season of life, but I'm ready to spear and cheerlead the new things of God. We can't get old. Old has got nothing to do with age. It's got mentality. I love what Bill Clinton said. Maybe don't like his life, but I love some of his quotes. This is what he said. When your dreams, when your memories outweigh your dreams, you have grown old. When your memories outweigh your dreams, you have grown old. When your history is more your conversation than your future, you are old. Hello? Uh-oh, that's dangerous. Okay, so stand. And as I, was po- as I was considering these things which I've outlined to you, God said, it is a Daniel season. It is a Daniel season. And I'm going to raise up my Daniels. And you think about the book of Daniel. I teach this over a whole weekend. I haven't got time in the morning and you'll be grateful. But I could and you most probably can guess I could. Take the book of Daniel. Here was Daniel. He was an outstanding young man who had to stand out in his generation. He was a Christian in a Babylonian, very difficult structure. Economically, it was perverse. Sexually, it was very perverse. If you read, we always think that society could never be worse than what we're in now. If you read history, you find it's fairly secular. And so Daniel was living in a time when identity, gender was fluid. There were eunuchs, there was all sorts of stuff going on. They maybe used the language a bit differently, but it was all going on. And Daniel was a young man in the midst of it all. There was a lot of witchcraft. There was a lot of occult practice. There was a lot of demon worship and idol worship. There was a lot of domination and manipulation. There were control systems. And Daniel was an outstanding man in the middle of this. And he stood out. 
And if you read Daniel 1, verse 9, Daniel said, no meat, no sweets, no alcohol. I mean, you know, those are some of the decisions people are making today. I'm no alcohol. I've got to give up my carbs and get my eating back in line. No meat, no sweets, no alcohol. But it didn't make him weird because by Daniel 4, Daniel was marked out in his workplace as a guy of outstanding intelligence who had the ability to problem solve. How many of you want a divine ability to problem solve? And you see, they, when things got tough, maybe the Brexit team needs to call in some Daniels. You see, here was this empire with the king, and he was looking at impossible crises in the whole of the empire, which was about to crash and smash. And they had some Daniels who were outstandingly intelligent, who loved God, who prayed too much, who were a bit weird, but we can't get rid of them because there is something on their lives of outstanding intelligence and ability to problem solve. You read Daniel 4. And so here are these incredible people who are marked out, who have prepared themselves, who have made life choices and they're not afraid to stand up in days of trouble. You see, some of you are waiting for such a time as this. We need the trouble so that we can stand up. We need the difficulty so that we can be a signpost. But we've got to be courageous enough to be like Daniel. Be in the lion's den, be in the fiery furnace. In the end, they could not trap Daniel until they actually made it about his God because they tried every other way to catch him out. So I want to give you some lessons from Daniel in this, this standing season. Number one, we need to set our minds. How do we stand in these days? What can we learn from standing from the book of Daniel? How do we stand? We need to set our minds. So we go to the book of Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. And this is the encounter with God when he appears to Daniel. And it should come on the screen now. Read it with me. One, two, three. And read it like you had double-leaded, double-shot coffee. One, two, three. Then he continued... Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have come in response to them. Now, you see, that's fascinating. Because most of us, and certainly from our Sunday schools, etc., we all remember a time delay. What's the time delay? How many days? Daniel prayed, how many days did you have to wait? 21 days. So we remember a 21-day delay. But what does it say? Don't be afraid. Since the? Since the? Since the first day you prayed, I heard, I responded. Isn't that what the Bible says? So where's the 21 delay? It's not on earth. Where did the delay happen? In heaven. Do you understand? And so I want you to wake up and understand. I believe we are in a season of rip-roaring warfare that is not going on on earth. It's not about what's happening in our earthly world. It's happening in our heavenly world. Now jump with me to Ephesians chapter 6. 
verse 10, 11, 12. For we do not fight. You preach with me. You do not fight, but you do fight. Principalities, powers, etc. Okay, I've got a question for you. What does that look like? We all know, do not fight flesh and blood. <laughs> Poor guy, he's thinking, this freak, she could go home to Oxford. <laughs> we know what that looks like. We know how to fight flesh and blood. Is that true? We've, we can get a picture. We know how churches fight, families fight. It says, we don't do that fighting, but we do fight principalities power. So what does that look like? Do you believe that st verse still exi exists for today, right now, right here? Yes. So what does it look like? You see, we need to wake up and realize that not all our battles are on earth. There are some things going on in the heavens. I would like to suggest to you that our nation is in a rip roaring battle. Brexit is not about Brexit. It's about a heavenly battle, which is far bigger than just politics. Hello. We must get rid of the political spirit from the church. If we don't get rid of politics, we're going to miss the opportunity that God wants to give us as Christian kingdom people in the church, like Daniel. You see, Daniel was alive when the whole Babylonian Persian Empire was collapsing, shifting, changing. And so the prince of Persia was battling out with Babylon. That whole region was in shift. Do you remember? Now we've got, I believe, every nation has its earthly realm, its heavenly realm. I don't know what it's called, but I'll just call it the Prince of the UK and the Prince of the European Union. And I bet there's a rip-roaring battle going on that we have got to understand. It's not about fighting flesh and blood, remain, leave, etc. Come on, grow up. That's not the battle. The battle is different. Do you understand? And we've got to stop fighting flesh and blood and start fighting and here's Daniel standing in the season. And I love it. The angel comes. And if you read Daniel, here's your homework. Read it. Don't be afraid. Every time, boom, don't be afraid. What would you say is the main atmosphere over Britain at this time? Fear, intimidation. You see, when we don't understand our season, we get fearful, afraid. That causes us to fight one another instead of fight the right battle. Daniel, don't be afraid. You're okay. From the first day you prayed, I heard you and I responded. But there is a but. But it's still going on in heaven, so you need to stand. But that word, but you need to set your mind. What is that word to set your mind? Next slide, please. Reset. It literally means to completely reset. Those of you who were with me yesterday will know I'm a scientist. So I like sort of reset, but not really. Because reset, especially in today's culture, means you set it to the standard you like. So that when you have the reset button, it gives you a choice. Do you want to reset to your last, um, restore to your last upgrade? your last um, um, date, your last year, they will give you a whole list, how many of you know, and you can choose where you reset to. 
I want to say God doesn't give us that choice. So I prefer to use, next slide please, this word, recalibrate. Because you see, to recalibrate means you reset to the original standard. And God's telling a lot of us, stop it, declutter, reset to the original standard, not of what others think you should be, not of what you think you should be, but what I destined you to be. Get ready. From the first moment I set my mind, that's what it means to set my mind. From the first moment I set my body, mind, soul, spirit to recalibrate to the call of God upon my life and take responsibility and accountability for who I should be in this season and at this time. And I humbled myself unto God. From that second, God says, I answered, heard, and it sent the release from heaven. Isn't that incredible? So say to someone, reset, recalibrate. <laughs> okay, that's number one. Number two, what do we learn from Daniel? We're in a battle and it is, we're in a battle and it is intense. So let's read this next verse, Daniel 7.25. Can you read it with me? One, two, three. He will speak against the Most High and oppress his holy people and try to change the set times and laws. This is the devil. So first of all, what is his intention, reason for coming against you? Why? He's trying to change the set times and laws. You see, many of the battles that we have with the devil are about our history. Do you get what I'm saying? He puts regret on us. He puts guilt on us. He drives us into our past to keep us in condemnation and guilt. Do you agree? But Actually, there is another battle we have with the devil, and that is about our destiny and our future. But those battles are different, and often we don't recognize. You see, when the devil begins to fight with you about your destiny and your future, that's a different battle than the battle he fights with you about your past, your regret, your condemnation. Hello? I believe we are in an intense battle for the future of our nation, for the future of our communities, for the future of your legacies, of your family, your children, and your children's children. And so we are in a rip-roaring battle about tomorrow, not about yesterday. Hello? How many say, oh, I get that? How many of you can understand that is a different battle? And we need different skills. And so you see, here's Daniel standing there and thinking, what in the world? Fed to the lions, fried and barbecued. You know, we've tried everything. What's going on? And then the angel appears and said, that he, the enemy, is coming against you in an intense battle at two dimensions. He speaks against the Most High. 
I was praying about this. I said, so what does that look like, God? Help me understand. So this is the devil accusing God. My first picture, because I'm looking for biblical um, uh, precedents, was Job. The devil appears before God, begins to accuse Job. And God said, no, no, no. The devil is not accusing you before me. The devil is accusing me before you. So I said, where's that? He said, Rachel, the fall. Eve. Where's the first place? You see, Eve was battling for the future, the whole future of mankind, the whole destiny of every man, the whole destiny of the relationship of God and men. Would you agree? The devil appears to Eve and says, oh, don't trust God. You think he's good all the time? Ha, ha, ha. Not really. God's got another agenda. God's not really looking after your future. If you eat off that tree, there's nothing's going to happen. God just knows if you do that, you will have such an amazing future. Hello? You see, the devil is coming into your lives and saying, ah, don't believe all this sold out, given stuff. It doesn't matter a little bit of this and a little bit of that. It's okay. Don't be so meticulous. But Daniel was a meticulous, outstanding. No meat, no, free, no alcohol. He stood out from the crowd. We've got to stand. And the devil's going to do everything to downsize your morals, your integrity, your position, your truth. Oh, don't worry. You don't have to eat of that tree of good and wisdom. It doesn't matter that much. Hello? And he's very, very subtle. And so, you see, we have had the devil, without even realizing in our lives, accusing the Most High. God's good all the time. Haha, <laughs> what about that then? And he says to Daniel, wake up. The devil wants to rob your future. So that's the first strategy of the devil, to rob our future in this intense battle. The second one is, and oppress his holy people. So he accuses God to you, and then he oppresses you. Do you know what that word oppress means? If you take that word oppress in the Hebrew and actually look at it, and it's full definition, this is what that word to oppress means. To weary out the saints by constant, consistent harassment. To weary out the saints by constant, consistent harassment. What does that look like? Well, harassment is not life-threatening, but it's time-consuming and very annoying. And it's constant, consistent. So it looks like this. You wake up in the morning, you get in your car and you think, ah, I forgot my phone. You go get your phone and think, oh no, I forgot to charge it. So you get in your car to go where you're going, and in your rush now to go because you're a bit late, you just catch the back bumper on the fence as you're going out. You then get to work, you're now late, and the parking space you normally have has already been taken, and you can't find one, so that takes time. And then you get to your door, and you've left your key fob at home. 
How many of you know what I'm talking? Then you get back from the office having that day and you realize you forgot to put, the, you put all everything in the dishwasher, soaked the lot, but you didn't set it off. So now you've got to put it on and you've got people coming around and it's just, and it just carries on. Then the next day you go off, you put your washing on early because you needed to get that done, but you forgot to take it out. So you come home and you've got all the washing to sell and it's all crumpled and hard in there. And if only you remembered, you could have done it quickly. You go to the shops and you get there and you get home. You thought, I went out to get milk and I've come home with everything but milk. I've got a. You know, how many know what I'm talking about? You just begin to think, am I going mad? Nothing is life-threatening, but it is all time-consuming and annoying. And you just feel, Jesus, what's happening? And it isn't one day, it's 10 days, it's one month. And it just seems to go on. You think, what is the matter with me? And what does that produce in us? I feel weary. I deserve time out. I'm going to check out. What is this season? It is standing season. Daniel, stand. What do you feel like doing when you're just harassed and tired? Sit down, check out. And what is the devil? Why does he want you to sit down, check out? Because he wants to rob you of your set times. And laws, this literally means the jurisdictions, the boundaries. Do you get what I mean? You've got designated places. He wants to shift the boundaries on you. He wants to shift your designated place. Paul read from Luke 19 this morning. If we read on a little bit more, we get to when Luke 19, 42, when Jesus sees Jerusalem, he weeps over it. Why does he weep? Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, wake up. Yes, lots of things have come against you, but you took the wrong turn. Now you're going to miss your day of visitation. Because Jerusalem didn't position herself correctly. The devil managed to change times and laws. Do, do you get what I'm saying? He's out to rob us. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You feel. And so you see God saying to you, come on, precious Northeast, wake up, arise, stand. It is an intense battle, but it's a different battle. And it's not just on earth, it's in the heavens. That's why you need to have an understanding that you're not fighting peoples and circumstances. You're fighting in the heavens above. So Daniel 10.13. Next slide, please. So this is the continuation of the one. Now that an angel came to Daniel, Daniel, wake up. What is the intense battle? From the first moment you called, I responded, verse 13, but. How many of you know there's some big buts in the Bible? From the first moment you prayed, I responded, but. You see, that but changes everything. But the prince of Persia resisted me 21 days. What does that look like? Can you imagine heaven, you know, the king of kings, lord of lords, has decreed, let it be. Go to Daniel. And there is a rip-roaring battle in heaven for 21 days. That's some battle. No wonder it feels shh. I call it like a washing machine over my head. You just feel, shh, what in the world is going on? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Does that make sense? You just feel the atmosphere, the battle, the pressure. 
21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. Me, I assume, is the angelic prince of Persia. said, I did everything, but I couldn't break through. So I called in superhero, super dude Michael, 10-star general of heaven. And he seriously had to help me. And it took 21 days. Because I was detained, held back. But now I have come. Why has he come? To tell you what will happen in the, and tell you the vision of a time yet to. Hello. I believe that God is giving us the privilege, 2019, to prepare for 2020, for a whole new decade, for the future. And he's saying, come on, Britain, recalibrate, realign, get in order, wake up, stand. Yeah, there's a rip-roaring battle, but come on. You know, it's almost like the blacks, the all-blacks hacker. Come on, rugby's. <laughs> Are you ready? Because this is about your future. And the devil would love to take it. So number three, what do we learn from Daniel? In some senses, I've woven this in. Number three, we need to understand the times and seasons. You need to say, dear Lord Jesus, help me understand. You see, Daniel realized the times and seasons. It was 70 years, and he knew there was a word that said, after 70 years, captivity finished. You see, I believe you have words. I know Britain has words that there will be seasons, and after this season, and I believe that's what we're wrestling for. And Daniel understood the times and seasons. And he knew there were things about to happen. But he knew there had to be men, women, that would stand in that day to make it happen. To be the lightning conductors that would literally stand and say, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On, 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 as it is in. Amen. And Daniel stood in that 70 years. I look at Brexit. Next slide, please. And I've been wondering, what in the world? I feel the confusion, the battle in the heavens. I feel the weariness. How many are weary? And he will oppress the saints. And everyone's just like, I'm done. I'm checked out. Had enough. Forget it. Come on, we've got to wake up. It's not about Brexit. I believe God is asking us to get prepared, get in line for the sake of our nation. It's not about the politics. Ultimately, it's about the kingdom being reset for the next harvest of the whole of Europe. I don't believe we're leaving Europe because Britain always has a partnership in Europe for the kingdom of God and for harvest. But I do believe we're leaving powers in institutions. And there is empires clashing in the heavens above. And I believe there's a rip-roaring fight that's happening. And God is saying, stand, stand, stand. I was praying down in North Devon. 
in the North Devon House of Prayer right at the beginning of the year. And next slide, please. As I was praying, I literally felt this hand go boom in my back. I thought it was Gordon because I tend to walk and pray. And I thought he'd come and just said, come on, let's go because we've been there for a while. And no one was behind me. So I carried on walking and I felt it again. This hand just go boom in my back. And God just put, dropped this scripture. Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket. And I counted as the small dust of the bands. Behold, even the islands are a very, I don't know why it says up, it says even the isles are a very little thing. And I just felt God chuckle and just say, Rachel, stop worrying. I've got this. I've got this. I've got the nations in my hands. Don't worry. I hold, I order, I decree. I've got this. Come on, can you see the big hand of God? And it was funny, I just began to laugh and I said, God, please don't breathe too hard. Because I just began to think of these islands like a little bit of dust and him going, don't lose us, really hold on to us. And I just had such a vision. God is really not stressed. So he gives us Luke 12, 32. Next slide, please. And this was the scripture that kept going. Do not be afraid, little flock. It's like Daniel, all the way through Daniel. Daniel, don't be afraid. Daniel, don't be afraid. So read it to someone next to you. Be afraid. Turn and read it to one other person. Say, come on, don't be afraid. (laughs) Amen. Don't be afraid. Your father is pleased to give you the keys for the United Kingdom and the kingdom. (laughs) Come on. Number four. It is standing season. All through Daniel, stand, stand, stand. Did you know in the Bible there are 484 references to stand? Stand up, stand up, stand, stand. And people are wanting to sit down or be on their knees and God just comes into their world. Joshua, stand up. Moses, stand up. Jeremiah, I Amos, all the way through, people, stand. And I just feel that it's like 484 is more than one a day. (laughs) So what is the human inclination? Let's chill, let's sit this out. And I really do feel there's a prophetic voice that's saying, come on, stand up. So look at how this journey started for Daniel. I've actually lattered some of this in already, Daniel 10.4. You see, this whole conversation started on the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing at the great bank of the Tigris. And you see, I wonder if as Daniel went to stand there, he began to think, oh, it's 70 years. I wonder if he began to rehearse the promises, the times, the season. And he was standing at the bank of the Tigris. The Tigris was one of the border rivers of the Garden of Eden. I wonder if he was thinking of all the promises of what had happened to mankind. And he's standing there thinking, Wow, God, what is our destiny? What's our future? As he is standing, 
Come on, you need to go stand in places in the northeast here. You need to go stand on those wells of revival. You need to go and stand and agitate the promises and the prophetic words of God. You need to start to pick up some of the words for the nation of Britain. Because every word about Britain is fascinating. It always comes north to south. And economically, it might go south to north, but spiritually, it goes north to south. Come on, I am unashamedly coming here to kick your butt because I wanted to get to Oxford. So get busy, do your work. Because every word is north to south. Jean Darnell's word, you look at them. Smith Wiggleson, there is hardly a word that doesn't start. In fact, even over the borders, Scotland, all the way down. And northeast, northwest, so many words about the two roses, the red rose of Yorkshire, the white rose of Lancashire, and the rose of the church, and the rose of the Father's love. Have you heard that word? Being awakened and carrying the Father's love and the church down through the nation. Come on. Wake it up. Agitate the ground. I can be a midwife, but I can't birth it because I don't live here. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I can come tell you, get on with it, push. <laughs> but you've got some work to do because you live here. This is your land, your word, your destiny. Spring up, oh well. Unblock those well. Prophesy to this land. Wake it up in our hearts, Lord. And then you see Daniel 10. And while there was this conversation, you see, the hand of the Lord set me trembling. Come on, help me, Gormi. The hand of the Lord comes upon Daniel. Boom. Sets him trembling. He ends up on his hands and knees, trembling like man. You see, the power of God can touch you. You're on your hands and knees. We would then like to think, okay, God's touched me. I stay there. God's a bit mean. He said, now stand up. And you think, well, God, you know, you've just hit me on the ground. I'm trembling and things. He said, no, stand up. Just because it touched you doesn't mean you can lie down. Wesley says, when divinity touches humanity, how can humanity expect to stand? We can't, but God does. <laughs> God then looks and says, stand up. And it says, and, and so with this, with that word, I stood up trembling. And we carry on reading. Then an angel came and strengthened me. I believe God's going to send angels to help you stand. How many of you just feel, God, I want to stand, but there's so much in me that just feels I'm trembling. Send an angel. Send an angel. Help me stand. Ezekiel 22, 30, we know this one, and I look for someone, you can read it with me, that word, build up the wall, and stand in the gap, on behalf of the, on behalf of the, stand in the gap, on behalf of the, and you see, often we said, oh God, look for a man to stand in the gap, we don't finish the sentence. God's not looking for a man to stand in the gap. He's looking for a man to stand in the gap on behalf of the, on behalf of the. Come on, how many of you are going to stand in those gaps? Come on, <laughs> on behalf of the land. Yeah, there's a stand. And then I've got some homework for you. It's school holidays, you can do it. Which gap is it? 
Is it the gap between heaven and earth? Is it the gap between the church and the unsaved? Church community, church government? I believe it's all sorts of gaps. But I really do believe one of the gaps we've got to stand is between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth. Because there's a rip-roaring battle. And so often we think that the gap we're standing in is between the church and the unsaved. The intercessory gap. Do you understand? So there's some homework for you. You can have discussions. Pause, think, ponder. Which gap is it? But he's looking for someone to stand in the gap. Finally, pretty well. Will you stand? I bet all the way through, if you're slightly prophetic, you think, come on, stand up. A few of you have done it. (laughs) Stand. Next slide, please. Because you see, it's so important we stand with each other. So I want you to snuggle in shoulder to shoulder hard. Go on, Anna, you'll have to find a gap. (laughs) Snuggle in hard, shoulder to shoulder. Stand with each other. And we're going to finish with this one. If you can put the scripture up for me, please. If you didn't leave the cabinet. (laughs) Can you give me the next scripture, please? 2 Samuel 11, please. I need it. I want you to read it. Can you read this with me? In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. In the letter, he wrote, put Uriah in the front line where the fighting is fiercest. Then pull back, leave him exposed so that he's sure he killed. I want to ask you a question. Who killed Uriah? Did David? I want to ask Gordon. Gordon, you are a British Army officer. You trained, you're a captain of men. You did active service. If your commanding officer had told you to pull back and leave your men in Northern Ireland, as a captain, what is your pledge as an officer? There's no way you would leave. There's well. There's no way you'd do it. There's no way you'd leave your men. And uh, no, definitely not. So you'd stay with your men. You'd stay with them. So who killed? Yes, David did because he put the murderous thing. But actually, the men who stood back. Both and. Would you agree with me? And I read that a little while ago. And I began to sob. I began to realize there are so many outstanding men of God, women of God, who have stood forward on these battle lines. And because someone said, ah, let's just sit this out. They've launched out into deep. Let's see what happens. And they stand back to spectate. They get killed and they say, ha ha, we knew it wouldn't work. Did they die because they were wrong or did they die because we wouldn't stand together? I asked one of our top detention supers who who does the Midland area, and she does many um, raids, and I said, if the chief super told you she was doing a big terrorist thing in Birmingham, and I said, if the chief super told you, pull back, Maria, leave your men when you were in the house, what would you do? She said, no, we make an oath. As officers, one for all, all for one. If you're in the house, we don't leave till every man's out. 
And there's something instinctive in that. But in the church, we've lost that. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I believe, you see, there's a lot of brokenness, a lot of betrayal, a lot of that which says I'm scared to stand because it's like, but I'm all alone and if I do it wrong, people will leave me looking stupid and I'll die. And you see, the whole key for me here is they pulled back to leave him exposed so that he was sure to be killed. So come on then. In the north, you have family, your community, you know people. Come on, we've got to be the same in church. We've got to say, no, I'm watching you. Your back's my back. Your life's my back. Your family's my family. We're going to do this together. Yes, that's your dream and thing, but we want to be on a journey with you. And even if it goes wrong, we're not going to leave you exposed. Because look at the heart of Uriah. Uriah was given a night to go have sex, etc., etc., etc. And he said, no, I can't leave my men. So he slept at the door because I stay with my men. Isn't that what Uriah did? But when they came to the battle line, the men abandoned him. So as we just close this time of standing, last slide, please. We stand with each other. Why? Because we need to stand in the evil day. And we're just going to read this final scripture together. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, we will be able to stand our ground, and after done everything, to stand. Stand firm then. So I want us just to pray. Why don't you just pray for each other? Pray for that. Father, we just ask that you would help us stand. Father, every place where we just feel exposed, every place where we felt alone, every place where we felt our backs, we're asking you today for grace to stand in Jesus' name. We're asking you for grace to stand in Jesus' name. Amen. Gordon, why don't you just pray? Just, you can release it a little bit, but I just want Gordon to just pray for an anointing to stand in this day. So why don't you lift your faces up to heaven? And as we're standing close to each other, let's just lift our hands and just grab hold of the hand of God. Father, we cannot stand in our strength. We stand together with each other, but also holding on to you. We thank you, Lord, that you clothe us with your mighty power. You say, finally, clothe yourself with this mighty power and take your stand. And Father, we want to clothe ourselves with your mighty power. We pray, Lord, that there'll be such a sense of of conviction, such a sense of purpose, such a sense of, of, of... just impulse of the Spirit in us that we will know where you are taking us to. And Father, I pray that you will give us discernment to know what is of the enemy and what is people. I pray, Father, that we will not be fighting battles which are not your battles. I pray we'll fight on your battlegrounds, the fights that you want us to engage with. Now, Father, we thank you for your mighty power to come on each one of us, each one of our families, those who are 
trembling at this time. I pray you give us the perception, the vision to see them, to stand alongside them, to strengthen them, to encourage. You say encourage each other daily. And I pray, Father, you'd help us to put courage into each other daily, daily, so that people would not fall into disappointment, distraction, disillusionment around us, but we would all be able to stand together. Lord, we do believe there's a rip-roaring battle going on in the spiritual realm right now, but it's just prior to an incredible release of a harvest in our nation. So, Father, empower us in this time for this harvest time. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God really bless you. I just want to do one last thing. Every eye closed. But just stand. If you know that you've stepped back and you've really lost your connection with Jesus, you just know that some of the fires got lost. Maybe even that sense of just being exposed and you got killed. Maybe not physically, but spiritually, you just feel a lot has died. And you just think, I've actually disconnected, but today you've just heard that cry of God. And you're just saying, God, I need to reconnect. I want to give you that opportunity to stand for Jesus. And often it can just happen little by little, but on a morning like this, we suddenly go, oh my goodness, I just realize I've stepped back a lot in my life. I want to give you an opportunity before you walk out to really put Jesus first place, center place again. And if that's you, I just want you to put your hand up as straight as you can right up high and say, I'm grabbing hold of Jesus. Thank you. Right around this room. You just know. As I preach, you just know. Yeah, I've stepped back. I've sat down. I've got offended. But today, God, here's my hand. I am saying, I love you. And just put that hand right up into heaven and saying, I'm breaking through all the negativity. And I'm saying, God, I am yours. God, I am sorry. I sat down. But today, this is my decree of faith. Thank you. So you keep those hands up. I want you to just all of us as a family to say this together. Father today, I give you my life. I am sorry for the wrong choices I've made. Where I've sat down, compromised, made poor life choices. Please forgive me. But today, I choose to stand. Jesus, I want you center place in my life. Teach me to live life well. In Jesus' name, amen.